and welcome to Meet Me in the Middle, the podcast that likes to find the middle <laughs> in issues and topics, wellness and life. I am Jenny Omani. And I'm Annika Buckle. As always, we are eternally grateful for those of you who take the two minutes to give us a five-star review. If you like listening to us, please don't ever hesitate to share us or specific episodes with people that you know or love or even that you hate. It's fine Um, because we appreciate it a lot. And if you don't want to be kind, go watch an animal video and keep your nasty (laughs) behavior to yourself. Sorry, too short. <laughs> Hedgehog videos are adorable. Oh my god! So, Annika, what, what are we going to talk about? So, this is kind of a part two to the conversation that we had around. Um, I don't know what do we want to call it—the domestic division of labor. Yeah, women's place in society more generally when it comes to paid and unpaid labor. That sums up my life pretty well. (laughs) Um, And we're doing something a little bit different because we think it's going to be fun and interesting. Um, But we're just going to talk a little bit more about our own experiences around this um, because we like to um, always give color and context and our own biases because nobody ever has opinions in a void. (laughs) Totally. So last so if you didn't listen to the last episode I mean you can listen to this without hearing that first but I feel like it probably would give you a bit more context and context is literally everything (laughs) context is the ride or die always (laughs) whenever I'm marking papers that's like my biggest comment that I write when I click on it make comment I'm like context question mark um (laughs) data to support this with context um so, so that was the data to support this. And now we're going to have the yeah, context. analysis conversation. <laughs> so I'm curious, what kind of mom did you have growing up? Like in um, terms of like work division and all that stuff. Yeah. So, uh, I, my mom went back to work when I was six months old and, uh, both of my parents worked full time outside of the home, um, for my entire childhood. and. Um, I never even really considered that being a stay-at-home parent was ever going to be a thing for me um, because it's just not what I saw or had. And, you know, I think when I was, both of my parents did their master's degrees when I was in kind of upper elementary. Um, And so it meant that my mom had, you know, the full-time job that she had. And then she also was in a, you know, very taxing master's program. And then, you know, she also had whatever division of labor responsibilities that we want to, that we want to call that around the house. I think my parents very much in my kind of like memory in my brain, the boxes were like, my dad looked after the outside of the house and my mom looked after the inside of the house. Right. So it's like, he built me a a playhouse in the backyard. He also was the one who mowed the lawn. He also was the one that took the car in. Um, You know, that was just like through my childhood eyes, you know, how I made sense of that in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That totally makes sense. My parents yeah. also, like my mom went to school too when I was 
and did her master's as well. Oh, that's um, interesting. So what's yeah. your, what's your context for that? What, uh, what kind of, what kind of mom did you have growing up? What kind of household <laughs> did you have? So my, I don't actually know how old I was. My parents got divorced. I want to say I was maybe eight, eight or nine, maybe. I don't, I honestly don't remember. And I, I mean, I, their divorce was not a pivotal moment in my life to be perfectly Clearly. honest. <laughs> it, it, it was not like, and I feel I mean, bad, but also grateful in a way. Like they did a good job getting divorced. They did. Well, they never spoke ill about each other. Like this it was is a obviously good reminder to people who think they need to stay together to be... for their kids. Right. Yeah. No, I'm glad my parents got divorced. They were not the right people for each other. I don't remember them ever fighting or anything like that. It honestly, like I couldn't even tell you, I could, I would have to narrow it down to like a four year <laughs> guess at like how old I was when they were divorced. So, um, before they were divorced, my mom was home a lot. She worked part-time as a receptionist for a pediatrician. Um, and did she do that? Like when you were at school? So yeah, like, was totally. she right? Yeah. So she always picked, I remember being jealous of the kids that went to after school care. Cause I, my mom picked me up. Um, <laughs> um, and then when they got divorced, my mom went back and did two degrees. So she did her, so my mom already had two degrees. She already had a bachelor's and a master's and then, but they were out of date because she didn't use them. So right. she went back. So she had a bachelor's of science, master's of genetics. Um, wow. and of course genetics is like a field that's ever changing. So right. being out of date is like actually really relevant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so she went back and did her bachelor's of education because there was a teacher shortage at the time. Like she was mm. very strategic. She looked at like now I'm a single mom. What are the fields that will give me a job as soon as I'm done? Right. So she did her, um, uh, bachelor's. Then she did her master's, um, as well to like really niche her in. So she would never have to worry about, um, employment. employment. Mm -hmm. Um, but she was always there. I don't know. Like we, we never had a lot of money. Once my parents were divorced, my mom was literally a student for six years straight. Um, or yes, four, how long is your bachelor or English or education is what three years, two years. I don't know. This is how influential it was in my life. I honestly don't even remember <laughs> the timeline, but we lived, uh, but I do remember living in student family housing on the UBC campus and being embarrassed. Cause it was like, not like nice. Cool. It wasn't cool. No. And we left right. like a nice neighborhood. Like we didn't have a fancy house, but we were like in a nice neighborhood and mm -hmm. we were not in a nice neighborhood anymore. So I do remember that, but like, she was always there. Uh, mm -hmm. when we needed her, like, yeah, we had like fend for yourself nights for dinner where my oh sister my God, and I we had used to, to like, fend too. <laughs> yeah. Right. And honestly, yeah. it used up shit from the fridge, like props to my mom for that. I ate a lot um, of cereal. I was fair. I didn't, I didn't like cooking even then. <laughs> Ichiban instant noodles. <laughs> yeah. Rogies. Yeah. That sort of stuff. No well, awards for culinary no. expertise, but I did no. it and I didn't burn the house down. Ever. And you didn't die of malnutrition or scurvy or right. No, no scurvy <laughs> not that I'm aware of. So yeah, I don't know. Like it was, I don't remember now because of the division of labor, because my parents were divorced, my mom did all of that, but right. we also never, um, had a yard. Because right. Vancouver's yards are expensive. <laughs> and if you're a single mom, you have a yard. Mm -hmm. um, so we didn't have to deal with, in fact, I remember when we rented a house with the yard, my mom just like paid a neighbor, neighbor's kid to mow the grass. Cause she's like, I don't want to buy a lawnmower. Right. This is just another other, thing. It's like an yeah. outsourcing thing. Um, but yeah, I remember her figuring a lot of stuff out 
we had power tools and I do the one thing that really sticks with me is remember is uh, this innate belief that I can figure anything out. So always deciding like what I want to do and then I can figure out how to do it because that's how it was. That's how that's because that's what you saw modeled. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's really that's so interesting. Um, I think that kind of patterning is, again, like really important for people to remember that that's just what you saw. So then that's what you, Mm -hmm. you know, took on yourself. I remember accepted that as truth. Right. Yeah. This is just how this works. Yeah. I remember my mom. I know my mom always felt my mom was not domestic at all. And I know she always felt her mom had been like the like probably would have won some sort of stay at home mom award, like had like the best (laughs) baking was like made them like did all the things, you know, in the in the 50s, you know, that my that a that a housewife would have done. And I think she understood she, the assignment she, that society gave her and she stepped Lorraine up to the challenge. understood the assignment. <laughs> um, but I think because that was the patterning that my mom saw, you know, she was very, she loved teaching. She was a teacher. She then got her master's and became a vice principal. She loved that. Um, but I know in like looking back with the eyes that I have now, and also even at the time I could tell she was always really, she always felt like she had failed Hmm. because she couldn't make my birthday cakes. She couldn't sew my costume for the play. She -hmm. couldn't do these like very domestic things that, all the other quote unquote other moms could do. And that now looking back, I know she had modeled for her mm-hmm. because that wasn't who she was. And it was interesting because always at the time it was like, you know, uh, she, I could tell that it bothered her, but it never bothered me. Like I didn't no. care. We yeah. weren't allowed cookies anyway. So it didn't matter yeah, if yeah, she yeah, baked yeah. them or not. I uh, What I cared about was going over to my friend Cheryl's house and we got to yeah, have, yeah. you know, Tang and like all of these things that I cared about that Oreos. way more. Right. I cared about <laughs> that far more than I cared about the fact that she couldn't sew my costume for the play or my Halloween costumes. Mm-hmm. But I, looking back and with a context that I have now, I recognize that you know, that patterning that we see really does, can create those gaps. And you grew up in a small town too, right? Very, yeah. Very. So very like small. the expectations and the norms when you're in a smaller place, like there's yes. just less diversity in terms of what people are doing. So I bet that felt extra pressure-y yes. for her because absolutely, it's and just being a smaller a- pool of people to be around. Being an elementary school teacher at the elementary school, she's especially under the, you know, public eye of mm-hmm. all the ways that she's failing. Like who you so. said, the elementary school. She was my kindergarten teacher. <laughs> you would have had to be. You yeah. didn't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that context too, that small town context really does then add, you know, another whole layer in into gender dynamics, especially, you know, in the 80s. Um Kind of like we were talking about last episode. Yes, sure. We have the, you know, Charter of Rights and Freedoms in the year I was born, 1982. (laughs) But that doesn't necessarily mean that the experience of my mom or me growing up is impacted by some of those social changes that have been building or coming in the way that I think Mm -hmm. people expect. I think it's a little bit like, you know, what we see with in the U S around like black lives matter. It's like, 
sure, we can look at the timeline of history and say, you know, equality has been legal since X, but it doesn't necessarily mean that social attitudes have changed. Clarence Thomas, still a Supreme Court justice. So, yep. Yeah. No, and I think too, like it, it is important to factor in if you are in a smaller town, like it's population statistics. If you have a giant population and a few people are doing something, less people notice. Yeah. Versus if you have a small group of people and if you, and you know, you have one person doing things differently, they notice. And in small places, like sometimes everybody knows everybody. Not even, that was a, absolutely, there was no. Yeah everybody's business is everybody's I'm literally I'm actually from Vancouver nobody's really from (laughs) Vancouver I was actually born in Vancouver and yeah there's definitely not that same factor Mm -hmm. just more people (laughs) know each other's business the same way (laughs) (laughs) there's just too much business you can't you can't know it all yeah um so okay so then what is that you know what vision did you kind of have about you know, was motherhood always something that you knew you were going to do? What did you think about how that was going to, you know, look like in terms of a division of labor for you? Yeah, I honestly don't even think I really thought about it. I think, which I don't think a lot of young people think about that the same way, like, you know, in Mm -hmm. your, yeah. Um, But yeah, I don't think I actually thought about it. And I think that's where any of my frustrations had come from is because I hadn't thought about it before. So I was only experiencing things as they were happening Mm -hmm. versus, um, like thinking ahead, um, the way like my kids will. Right. 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 And I have a, I have a partner who's very, um, like willing to help. And this is something we've talked about because your husband's the same, but he, for reference, like my husband grew up in apartheid South Africa. He moved here when he was 15. Right. So if you want to talk about a patriarchal society, like <laughs> very, very different social context, Google the definition of apartheid, right. Right. Literally means like to separate. So, um, I think like, so, and he's very open to helping and doing things, but he doesn't see things the same way, right? Like Mm -hmm. if I walk into the kitchen and see that the dishwasher is clean and ready to be swapped over, I will do that. He will happily do the dishwasher. If I'm like, Hey Dave, do you mind doing the dishwasher? And be like, yeah, no problem. He would never notice that the dishwasher was ready to be changed over. Switched, Right. Right. Like, and I think that's where modern day in our particular climate a lot of that invisible work comes in. It's because we, as I don't know, is it a mom thing? Is it a woman thing? Is it even a gendered thing? Like, I don't know, but we seem to, as women notice and always be sort of one step ahead in terms of the um, family organization and the planning and, and whatnot. Like I guarantee you, Dave has no idea what activities are happening after school today. (laughs) <laughs> right like we zero percent chance we have a birthday party this weekend and absolutely Callie would show up without a gift if I didn't go and get one totally and not but if you were not like, on purpose not intentionally yep if you would be like hey Dan can you go get his birthday gift he'd be like no problem what am I getting and you'd tell him right. and he'd be like I'm on it and he would do it no absolutely. no argument no like nothing no absolutely But it's the bandwidth of knowing what needs to be. Knowing that there's a birthday this weekend, that there's a gift that needs to be bought. And like, here are a few of the things that maybe I could get for this 
kid, right? Totally. It's like three layers. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly it. And I think that's where a lot of the breaking points come for, mm-hmm. um, at least women I know, um, where they did the fuss frustration mounts is it's like, they just have one of those days where, and I know I've had them. I think everybody has days where they're just like, ah, you know, or it's like, <laughs> absolutely. Right. Is it the laundry? Is it the school lunches? Is it the groceries? Is it the, you know, all of these things that are so delegatable, but you don't want to delegate them. You just want someone to know to do them. Right. And even the act of delegating them, right. Even the act of delegating them is bandwidth. And sometimes, and I know you and I have had this conversation too, the bandwidth of having somebody else do it, especially if it's a child and having to monitor them while they're doing it. Like, yes. Do I want to teach my daughter how to fold and put away her own laundry? Sure. Is it 10 times easier if I just do it myself? And when I'm already like maximum bandwidth, I just don't have the space for it. No, I would rather just do it myself. Not that I want to do it. I really don't. No, but it's like the rock and the hard place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you just go, you, you know, better the devil, you know, than the devil you don't. And you just, it's predictable. I know when I put away the laundry, what that's going to look like. Mm -hmm. I don't know what mood. I got three kids. They're not all in the same mood (laughs) ever. And even if they were, there's no guarantee it's a good one. (laughs) Right. And I think that's where a lot of, um, this invisible work comes in is because it's easier to just keep it invisible Mm -hmm. to yourself than Mm -hmm. to go through the efforts in a society where we're tired. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and we live in a city. I know people that live in smaller places and they, they, all advocate for like smaller towns, the pace is better. And like, I, I don't know because I've never lived in a smaller town. So I genuinely can't speak to the pace. I hated it. And I will never live in a small town again. That's so, so funny. Was it slower paced? I mean, yeah, it was so slow paced that it was like, I couldn't have, do you know, want to know what activities I did? I did whatever activity after school activity was like, being offered by whoever had moved there most recently. So like I I took jazz for two years in elementary school because a jazz teacher came and then she moved away and then a rhythmic gymnastics instructor came. So then I did two years of rhythmic gymnastics. Yeah. There's no like, and that was it. Like there was no, oh, I want to do this. other. No, there is no other thing. It's you do the one thing. And then if they move away, then there's no thing. Oh, wow. That's so, see, I mean, for me, this is just not... No. And the, and for me, that's a big piece of why I love living in the city. And even though it's financially a dumb choice to stay here, it really is. I want to continue <laughs> to live here because the access that my child has is mm-hmm. like nothing I had available to me. She takes roller skating lessons. She is in this like incredible acting program. You know, she has access to all of these things that just simply did not exist for me as a child growing up and that I desperately wished that I had. Mm -hmm. And you can totally just in that statement and I'm the same. um, This is where I think as parents, we tend to fill in the gaps that we had for our kids. (laughs) Of course. Right. Like I didn't, I played sports as a kid, but you know, like it wasn't like you had a sport that was your thing and you, you went all in on it and it doesn't even exist anymore. I used to play (laughs) ringette because girls weren't allowed to play hockey. Right. Yeah. Right. Girls can just play hockey now. Um, 
but I always wanted to like dance and like do that stuff. And I didn't dance because I couldn't. I danced because I couldn't. I didn't dance because I couldn't like not be like you. You I, had access to it. You were just bad at it is what we're getting. Uh, at. That's where we're going. Yep, totally. But I also now realize that a lot of the access um, isn't entry level access. It's not about signing up for a dance class. It's about recognizing that actually the kids that are really good at it do all these extra things too. Right. And that's, I think where a lot of the bandwidth as a parent comes in is now Mm. like my oldest is nine and your daughter's a year younger, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this year, grade four was the year that I thought, holy shit, thank God Isla's in a competitive sport that she loves because it's very hard to find new activities for nine-year-olds it's that aren't in- good at it. No, it's, it, it, you, it doesn't you exist. You can't really be trying things anymore the no. same way. Like, I mean, it's, yes, there's like rec versions of things, but. Well, but same. even that is very, I mean, I have had this extended conversation with a number of other mom friends of mine that there used to be the ability to like, you could just go and play something for fun. Well, that doesn't no, there, really exist anymore. At there's this no age. fun in kids sports. No. That shit's competitive. No. Like, yeah, I don't know. So I sort of was like, oh, thank gosh, we've got take this one. Yeah. My six-year-old has not, she's very athletic. Haven't found her thing yet. And I'm in my head. I'm already Starting to panic. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, we got to find a sport. And Dave's like, she doesn't need to have a sport. I'm like, no, she's like really athletic. Like she can run faster than me. Like no joke. <laughs> we were at like an arena and she had to be back for an award ceremony. And I was like, we got to run Annabelle. We're going to be late. And I was like, oh my God. So like, she's so fa- like, she's a very athletic kid. But again, this becomes bandwidth because mm-hmm. if I said to Dave, Hey, swimming lessons, three kids, you got to find, we got to overlap. They all need to swim at the same time. He would, could he figure it out? Uh, I don't know because I've had years of looking at West Van Rec, looking yeah. at North Van Rec, looking at the private programs. The time Who's, of that with yes. that kid's other yep. thing. And yep. yeah, totally. But interestingly enough, we decided to have our six-year-old try soccer because she's so athletic. Yeah. And we're like, she's like, she has athletic talent. We just haven't found you have her a way to thing. harness it yet. <laughs> and she needs an outlet too, right? Like yeah. she needs a team sport, like all this stuff. And so I was like, Hey, uh, why don't we try soccer? Well, guess what? Dave's from South Africa. Dave knows soccer. <laughs> so he was in two seconds able to get her right in a soccer camp to try right. in the summer or in this in, over spring break. Right. So it's, I think a lot of, unfortunately, if this is like a, we are our own worst enemy sort of thing, right? Because so much of it is that this, I mean, we keep using the word bandwidth, but this cognitive load is mm-hmm. so delegatable, but the energy that it takes to delegate is a lot. And but you have we, to be prepared for things to be more work and done shittier for sometimes a long time yeah. before that's actually off your plate, right? Totally. And I think Lee's a great example of this because she um, has a really good division of workload within her marriage. Now she's been working. She's the first to tell you she spent mm-hmm. like a very long time establishing that. Um, and her kids are super helpful around the house because she was prepared to freaking dig in. Let I think it what be, she said, let it she be said done badly. She had a dirty kitchen for years because <laughs> she was like, I am not cleaning the kitchen. My kids are do- doing with dealing with the kitchen. And so I think that that's 
I love that. I it's one of those things I love the idea of, but then whenever I it's <laughs> actually like one of those try things it. that when you wake up in the morning and the house is quiet and you're like, you know what, you know, it's a great way to start the day division of labor. I'm going <laughs> to, and then when everybody's awake and someone can't find their shoe and like, you know what I mean? You're like, oh my God, I'll just, I'll just do it. Just let me do it. Right. Yep. Like, and I don't have the bandwidth for you to figure this out right now. Totally. Mm-hmm. Well, even this morning, it's pouring rain, like oh, really pouring. Yes. Rain. Like, like build that. an arc kind of rainstorm. Like, there. is it an atmospheric river or we just decided that's the weather here now, but <laughs> they wanted to wear their winter coats, not their raincoats. And Dave was like fighting them on it. I was like, I don't even fucking care because like, they're not outside during lunch or recess during this anyways. So it actually doesn't matter. Well, and this is also one of those things that's like, what, like, I know, you know, pick your battles, but like, even if they were like, so you're going to be really wet and you're going to wish yeah. that you had to listen to me. Mm. Yeah. Is Called that, can we get out the door if I just let you do this now? If <laughs> you have natural consequences, if you're bad decision. <laughs> you know, it's so funny too. Cause I think about like, so we started recording today at nine 45 in the morning in order to do that because it's a work day for me. I woke up at five to <laughs> take a chunk out of my work day to shift. And one of the reasons I have the job that I have, and I'm fortunate that I, you know, work in a field where there's lots of different options for work is because I found a department where people value flexibility, mm-hmm. right? It's very much like, it's not this patriarchal, like you need to be in the office doing this stuff. It's like, here's your workload. You're a grown up. If you want to work it Saturday at 4 a.m., so that you can pick your kids up from school on Friday, fill your boots, right? Like you're a grown up. Like you need to, like, there's none of this, like, we're going to sit and watch you at your desk work because from nine to five, if you're, you... well, I mean, newsflash, it's pretty easy to tell if people are actually working or not, <laughs> especially in an environment where they are producing work. Right. Right. <laughs> like, right. right? Well, And I mean, I think this, the lack of that flexibility, I think is what hinges so many women Mm -hmm. in, you know, where they are. I think I come back to this a lot, you know, in kind of the place I'm in right now, as I'm looking at, you know, like how I divide my time and what do I do and Mm -hmm. all of those pieces. My kid was sick yesterday, so she stayed home from school and I am home. So it was fine. I also got up at five o'clock this morning to finish, you know, the notes that I was working on for the things that we are talking about today. And I was able to do that because yesterday I stayed home with my kids. So I didn't have the bandwidth to do it yesterday where I Mm -hmm. intended to, because I was looking Mm -hmm. after my little one. And the fact that that is still not valued most of the places. I mean, we've talked about this before. It's like, Kids are in school from nine to three. And yes, I joke. Re- I recognize that <laughs> the hours are a joke. Their little brains can't <laughs> learn after 3 p.m. Totally. There is no job in the freaking world nope. that ends at 2.30 p.m. There is not, not unless any. you're allowed to start at 5 a.m. <laughs> and then who's taking your kid in the morning and then and then and then. Yeah, right. Totally. We, we continue to exist in the society where we assume that one parent is home all the time or yeah. at least flexible enough to your point, that Mm -hmm. they can act like they are. Yeah. And we are both flexible in the sense that we both primarily work from home. Mm -hmm. So Dave will often do drop-offs. Also for him, a lot of his work is technically Eastern time. So so he has to get on at like 8 a.m. and deal with the fact that he's 
now three already three behind. hours behind. Yeah, he's behind, right? right? Well, yeah. two hours if they start it. But yeah, but yeah. still, like, right? Like, yeah, he's starting behind. But then it also means that sort of when they're having lunch, he can take right. the kids to school, right? right. And come back. And yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's this, uh, I find it so fascinating the assumptions that we make for parents. And when I say parents, like so much of that ends up being, being moms. Um, although I will say at our school pickups and whatnot, like it's not 50, 50, but there's a good chunk of dads that are participating, which is great. I just find it so interesting how, do you have like a group chat for your kid's class? Like a WhatsApp chat? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How many dads are in it? I think three and it's yeah. a class of 19. Yeah. So yeah, we have yeah. about the same for both yeah. kids classes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. And it's and not I, because they're not welcome. It's no. Who's, who is, who's doing the organizing? Who's yeah. running all the, the stuff, right? Who knows what the kids' schedules are? Who, who like looked at the spelling words that came through last week and is going to help bail me out when it's like Thursday and we still haven't got the spelling list for the week because my kid forgot it. And yeah, yeah totally. Know, who's keeping track of those little bits and bobs, right? Yeah. And I think that's where, when we look at, um, and I'm to call out our privilege with this, like, yeah, like we can afford to either not have two working parents or to have a job like my job, I get paid significantly less than if I worked in other areas in my field. Um, but the flexibility means that, you know, we can rent our basement because we own a house and, you know, absorb that pay cut to allow for this, this flexibility that we've got. Um, so we're grateful to have that, but it's still shocking. Well, and I think we've had this conversation (laughs) too, right? It's like, oh, what are you going to do? Are you going to choose to work? And then, you know, how much of your money is going to at pre, you know, before and after school care Yeah. versus, you know, can you figure out a way to make it work without having to do that if you're not losing those pieces of your income? So, you know, it, it ends up being this kind of eternal, you know, rock in a hard place. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which of these, which of these frustrating things are you going to choose? Because there is no, those are your options. There is no other choice. Yeah. And I saw this good reel on Instagram and it was someone who's like, why are like, it was basically saying like, why am I so tired at the end of the day? And it's because of, and she highlighted all the things that you think about that you're not even doing. Right. Like you're putting away laundry and then you're going like, Oh, like so-and-so's got gymnastics tonight. I got to go get their gymnastics stuff out. You're um, packing a lunch. And then you realize that, um, you know, they actually have a field trip. So they're supposed to bring like a disposable lunch that day versus like the, the you know, whatever. And you're um, like, this happened to me. I'm putting away laundry and was like, holy shit, my kid has no tights for school. Like they wear a uniform. Like there's no tights. It's two degrees and she's wearing socks today because the tights have it. I had to order more tights, but it's that stuff, right? That yeah. we're, it, it's this constant, like I have to, and when you have kids in activities, like I have to think ahead to competition weekends, um, to, to, you know, the different lessons, when are all the registrations for things? Mm-hmm. Um, when do I have to have 
uh, school stuff done. Oh, it's a hundred days. Of, it's the hundredth day of school on Friday. They're supposed to dress like a hundred year old. Okay. I got to figure out what I, what the fuck a costume for a 100 year old is. I've got, you know, like you're always, always, it's just like your brain is like, so, and if it's not, it's kind of like, it's like publish or perish, man. Like if you're not continuously, <laughs> then you're going to drop, I mean, you're dropping, you're going to drop the ball anyway, but you're just oh, going to drop that many more balls. If you don't have that running tally. Well, and I was proud of myself because then the competitive side of things comes in too. And, um, my six-year-old had to do a project and they sent home like a, a larger, I don't know, a big piece of paper. And it had like boxes to fill in and whatever. And this instruction sheet said in the instructions, it said, feel free to use this form. Or if you want to, you can make a poster board and do it. Well, no shit. I'm going to use the form that literally is templated. <laughs> she fills it out. She, according to her, so grain of salt was the right. only kid who didn't do a full poster board. Now I'm sure there was more than one, but, but. I actually just said, I was like, the instruction said we could use this. So, and I was proud of myself for not being like, oh my God, we have to go get a poster board. I was like, right. no. You said no, I like, can use what? this. So I'm going to do this because this, this is, is not make wrong. You've completed your your grade one assignment, you've done your thing, but it doesn't, it adds to the bandwidth when you mm -hmm. see, you know, other people doing things bigger, more, bigger, better, better. More, 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 more. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that kind of layers in this whole feeling of like constant failure that I think so many people, certainly not just parents by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, people generally are feeling in kind of these times where we still have kind of the emotional load hangover from mm -hmm. everything that happened during the pandemic. And then mm -hmm. in addition, we have all of this like regular life. And I think, you know, for those of us in the sandwich generation, you know, whether you have kids or not, you may have an elderly parent that you're caring for or some sort of family member that you have some caring responsibility for. These are all the pieces that are continue to be invisible. And yet, like, it is impossible to function without them. <laughs> yeah. And I think, honestly, what, for me, sending a frustrated voice memo and having to you <laughs> and having you just be like, oh, my God, me too. I thought, holy shit, like, I'm someone with good friends who I have a very safe space to mm -hmm. say whatever to. Mm-hmm. And you same thing, but that it took that one, like feeling very vulnerable because you feel like you're complaining about your life and you've got a good life, right? Why am Absolutely. I I've got a great life. What am I complaining? And so I think that not that there's a solution because I mean, there's always a solution, but it's, it's like much beyond what we're going to come to in the next three minutes on our podcast. But yeah, I mean, this is, this is kind of that thing. I mean, this is exactly what the feminine mystique, the Betty uh, Frieden book that we were talking about in our last episode, this is what it did. It said, it's okay. You have, you know, a, maybe a nice house and a couple of great kids and your husband's not a total asshole. It's okay that you still feel frustrated. It's okay. Totally. You're allowed to be mad. Human emotion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that if you, not that we, we don't really believe in giving advice, but I will say this, <laughs> if you, if any of this is something you're like, oh yeah, honestly, send your friend 
a voice memo because I a bet nine you they'll reply. I bet you they or will reply send, back. Send them this episode and then you can have a conversation about it with them. Thank you. We appreciate your support. <laughs> but I think um, getting as much community around it is mm-hmm. good and just having a safe space because honestly, once you can articulate something, it genuinely does take it down a notch, like the verbalized frustration. Absolutely. And I also think it continues to keep this conversation in the collective zeitgeist, because if we don't, it doesn't, it's not just going to go away, you know, until we start to, you know, really have this conversation continually at, you know, a personal level and a political level, Mm -hmm. these things will never, nothing's ever going to change. No. No. All right. Well, I, thanks for having a little chat about this. That was kind of fun. Thanks so much for listening to know. We really appreciate your support. And if you could do us a big favor and subscribe and share this podcast, it would mean the world to us.